Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the You're Still Out Golf Podcast. I am your host, JT, coming to you from the clubhouse at Buffalo Dunes Golf Club up in Garden City, a bit of a remote location that is far, far away from our home at Lincoln Park Golf Club. I'm sure the boys held it down in the Sunday afternoon game out at Lincoln Park West. Uh, today, we are going to have a bit of a chop session, kind of an informal back and forth, chatting up one of our favorite guests. That would be Cameron Jordan of Golf Week. Cam, going to get to a bit of an ad read here, but I'm going to bring you right in because, you know, we're almost in a way, live potting, even though this won't be released until tomorrow morning. We have, uh, I'm kind of sight unseen, man. I, I'm li- I literally came off the golf course, set up the podcast equipment, had our guy Garrett here at Buffalo Dunes make me the best hot dog that I've ever had, and I, I brought you in. How are you tonight, buddy? I'm good. It's uh, it's It's been a great day. I, I played some golf myself here in Oklahoma City this morning, and um, you know, got to watch, uh, got to watch Victor Hovland, um, win in a playoff in the Memorial. Whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, big Vic. I'm telling you, like when I say I'm blind, I, uh, I think I saw that he might've been within a couple, but how did that play out? Um, you know, he played really well today, shot two under, found his way in a playoff and made par on the first playoff hole to beat Denny McCarthy. So it's, uh, it's a big win. And like you say, chop session, really live pod. Rosang just threw into about five feet on the second playoff hole. Whoa. Rosang's in a playoff. Who's the playoff with? Play, playoff, second playoff hole against Jennifer Cupcho, who has not hit her shot yet. So uh, it's a uh, talk about pressure. Okay. Well, okay. Before, before I get too excited, I, I, we could go in a lot of different directions here. Let me, of course, thank our sponsor, the place that we probably love more than any golf course on the planet. That would be Boiling Springs Golf Club. As soon as I finish up with young Cameron here tonight, I am headed south from Garden City to my favorite golf course in the world. That would be Boiling Springs Golf Club. All summer long, you can get out to Boiling Springs. You can take advantage of their stay and play package where for a mere 110 Dollars, you can play unlimited golf at Boiling Springs because one round is never enough out at Boiling Springs and have a lovely stay in the Candlewood Suites right inside town at Woodward. Again, all summer long out at Boiling Springs in Woodward. If you will put the code YSOGOLF, all caps, in the special instructions field, we're going to get you a special edition Boiling Springs You're Still Out logoed golf hat. Again, BoilingSpringsGolfClub.com for more information. Uh, before we came on, Cam, you said you had your first sojourn out to Boiling Springs. Your thoughts, my young Jedi? I played it last summer, and um, first time that I'd been up there, I'd heard heard plenty about it with uh, since the renovation, since they put a ton into it. And let me tell you, it was just... Man, it was incredible. Um, I played really well that day, so that helped. Uh, <laughs> Always. But it, uh, it was uh, such a great golf course. I love the layout. Different challenging holes. Um, 
it's really a hidden gem of Oklahoma golf and more people need to find a way to get out there because it's just incredible. That it is that it is. Okay. So, I mean, I think when I asked you to come on, we were thinking NCAA men's recap, which was, which was tremendous, maybe a little bit disappointing for us here in big 12 country. So I, we're definitely going to touch on that. Um, I did want to talk Memorial cause I knew it'd be finishing up. I wanted to talk, um, LPGA and that's before I even realized Roseanne was going to make her professional debut, let alone contend, let alone lead after 54 holes. Um, obviously I'm going to talk some Ludwig. So, I mean, the things are coming at me fast here, but I, I don't know where I'm, I'm totally pitching it to you. I mean, you're the co-host tonight. You're more than the guest. You're the co-host. So you, you tell me where, where do we go first? What are you most excited about? Let me ask, let me ask this of all the golf you've been playing. What's been your favorite course so far? What's the best shot you've hit? Just quick, quick rattling off. What's been the best day or best round? Um, Wild horse golf club in Gothenburg. I think I just said in our ad read that boiling Springs is my favorite golf course on the planet. I, I, I obviously have like five or six of those. It's kind of a T one situation, kind of like, kind of like Rose Zang right now in the playoff. There's a playoff going on in my mind in terms of golf courses, but it's a short list. And I will say it's a short list that like pack dunes and Positiempo and Prairie dunes and boiling Springs are on wild horse. I can tell you fun F U N fun. It trumps all of those courses in terms of, the quality of the fun you're having, the strategy that you're whacking your ball around. And strategy can get a little overrated, Cam. You know, I think a lot of really good players can really use strategy to their advantage, taking different lines off the tee. You know, for us that are kind of maybe high single digits, certainly the uh, the 15 to 20 handicaps maybe don't uh, get the strategy as much because they think, man, I just want to try to hit the ball in the fairway. Wild Horse allows you to get the ball in play, very wide playing corridors, and then game on. It is so much fun. We played 72 holes last year at Wild Horse, 54 holes this year at Wild Horse. Wow. And I did not want to quit. Like, it's just banger after banger after banger. There are no bad holes at Wild Horse. Not a single bad hole. Forget bad hole. There's not a single plain hole. They're all awesome. So I'm going to say Wild Horse is the favorite um, I would say now this is recency bias because I'm after this many holes of golf, um, my brain is a little bit fried, but I just hit a three wood into a Northeast wind from about two fifteen to the 18th hole here at Buffalo dunes that rolled out to about, uh, 12 feet Ooh. was probably my best shot of the trip. Uh, I think I was so excited to get on the podcast with you that it's like just inspiration right there at 12 feet. And I missed the putt of course, but, uh, bit of recency bias so yeah it's been a, it's been a great trip dude i uh been been excited about this for a while the fireman's ball in 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 gothenburg 46th annual fireman's ball did not disappoint once again guys you gotta you gotta get up there you gotta by by hook or by crook get yourself to gothenburg nebraska it's it's a it's in a class of its own well a little bit of slight breaking news here rose zang has won in her professional debut Okay, um, so we got Vic with his first victory on American soil. Shout out to my guy, Scotty G21. We got Rose Zang teeing it up for the first time on the LPGA Tour winner. I mean, this is quite a Sunday. I mean, that's very, I would, safe to say, two very popular victories. 
I, I want to, we can talk Rose first. Cause I, nothing, nothing against Victor. We're Oklahoma guys. I I'm an Oklahoma state guy. I went to school at the same time as Victor did love him to death. What Rose just did winning. There's only, it's only happened one time in the history of the LPGA winning in their professional debut. And that happened in 1951. And I can't remember her name. She's being serenaded with roses on the 18th green right now. I mean, this is, <laughs> I, I'm watching this as it's unfolding and, I don't, I don't know how I watched her tear up Greyhawk come from four behind on the final day, 13 days ago to win. Um, and I knew she was going to have a successful, I, I think I told people that she was going to win this year on the LPGA. Never in my, would I have ever guessed that it would happen right now. Um, Against this pretty stacked golfer. field, right? I mean, I, I a, when we were at yeah, Wild Horse, really I feel like I saw a leaderboard that had like Minji Lee, Jin Yun Ko, just, just, hitters only yeah and she beats a major winner to in a in a playoff to win it i mean it's just she's one of the best forget just she's one of the best golfers in the world right now i mean it's it's incredible the her mental fortitude she just turned 20 last week her 20th birthday was um on march 24th so for being 20 years old and having the mental fortitude that she does um, she thinks her way around a golf course and she obviously has the game to back it up. Um, but it's just, it's so incredible considering just well, the trajectory she's on. And I know these stats off the top of my head. She won, I believe eight of her 10 starts this year in college. And maybe yes. that includes the Augusta national women's amateur, the biggest amateur women's event in the world. No offense to the, U.S. Women's Am, but I would say the ANWA is a slight touch above the U.S. Women's Am. And then she wins NCAAs, and then she wins in her first ever start on the LPGA Tour. I mean, that's got to go down, and I think we'll be looked back upon as one of the greatest stretches of golf from anyone ever. In April, she wins the ANWA. In May, she wins NCAAs. In June, she wins on the LPGA. Oh, and now she's a full-time member on the LPGA. There's no way in the world that she's not going to be on the Solheim Cup team come September. And she, has, and she has starts in all four women's majors the rest of the year. So, I don't know. There's I, I, I don't know where she's going to be at in the, in the professional rankings. There she is celebrating with Michelle Wee. Beverly Hansen is the name of the only person to win. 1951, she won in her first start on the LPGA until today. Beverly Hansen. I believe that's the uh, the Hansen brothers' mom, actually. Not many people know that. I, uh, I actually do think you are correct. I don't want to uh, take that thunder away from you. But. Is it really? I was totally joking. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, you mentioned Solheim Cup and a first-time winner coming off of the women's college scene. I want to go, I hate to, I don't, I mean, I almost feel bad bumping Victor. I want to go to Ludwig because there's a lot of talk right now. Ludwig, you know, he actually fell short of doing what I thought he would do, which is go out and win NCAAs out of Greyhawk. I'm curious at why you think he wasn't able to play as well as he had been winning the Norman regional winning at Prairie Dunes in record setting fashion. But there is chatter since the European squad is getting a little thin. Could Ludwig, if he comes out, has a couple top tens, plays well, certainly bags of victory, can he be on the European Ryder Team squad, Ryder Cup team squad 
What are your thoughts there? I definitely think so. I talked with a few folks about this out in Scottsdale, um, including Greg Sands, Texas Tech's head coach. Um, he's going to, Ludwig is going to have a, a, a really good professional career. He's, he's already competed at some events and has placed highly. I think that at Greyhawk, it's such a penalizing golf course that if you hit one bad shot, it can really hamper you and, he, he took a triple bogey on a hole, and I think in his third round, and so that, that throws you behind the eight ball. Um, just a couple little mistakes here and there. Um, I definitely think he's still playing great golf. I expect him at the RBC Canadian Open this week. I would fully expect him to make the cut, and I don't want to say he's going to contend. It's, it's really hard to win professionally. Um, but Ludwig is going to find his way into contention um, sometime this year on the PGA Tour. And when I say contention, I think come late Saturday, sometime Sunday, he's going to be sniffing around the leader within a couple of shots. Um, who knows? It's I think this Greyhawk is such a tough course. It really penalizes. It, frankly, it was penalizing some good shots this week toward the end of the week, which is, uh, um, as we know, shouldn't be a thing, but it was. Sure. Um, but, uh, you know, I just I think uh, I, I think it was just a tough week. He wasn't upset by it at all. You know, we're going to get to see him in his professional debut. Um, I think he's qualifying. I think he's in sectional qualifying tomorrow for the U.S. Open. So I'm going to try to. Where, what try side to what is he qualifying at? Do you know? I, is he I out in uh, Columbus, like after the Memorial, or is he in the. Uh, I feel like that one a lot of guys play in because it's like you don't have to go that low because it's so hard. But I can't remember if he's playing there or the other one that's over in. Uh, Where's the other one? Like, he may one. be playing at the one that's in Canada. Oh, you're right. He is. You're absolutely right. I think. Yeah, yep. I was about to say he's he playing Toronto. Playing at the one up there. Yep, you're 100 percent right. Uh, I I heard that earlier today, and I forgot that he is teeing it up in in that sectional. So, man, it seems like a no brainer that he's going to qualify. It should be a bummer to not have him in the U.S. Open. Although, I would think the USGA might be pulling out the special exemption if he doesn't make it. But uh, we'll see. We need some, we need good stories in golf. I think the USGA knows that and. And Ludwig is certainly one of those. You said it, disappointing NCAA's for Ludwig. Disappointing NCAA's for the University of Oklahoma Sooners. I did not see. I know it's very competitive. I said it on our preview pod. There are, you know, probably twenty top ten golf schools in the country right now. However, I still didn't see OU not making the top fifteen to uh, get to that Monday last day of stroke play. Uh, our guy Drew Goodman. And uh, our other young lad from Norman, Jay Summy, got to play as individuals. Uh, Drew Drew played quite well. Really grinded to uh, have a nice round there on Monday. But what were you seeing from OU? I, I know as I was following it, who uh, I would kind of put the blame squarely upon, but you were on the ground. You know what was going on. What's your takeaway from uh, the Sooners out in the desert? You know, OU put itself behind the eight ball after the first round. Um, really, after they they were team. For some reason, Greyhawk and Desert Golf is somewhat like this. If you play in the morning wave, you have a tremendous advantage, especially at Greyhawk. The morning wave, it's softer conditions. The wind doesn't blow as much, and it's not as hot. Come the afternoon, the wind usually picks up. The course dries out. It gets really firm, really hard to stay on greens, and it just it's tougher. It's hotter. It seems to drag on longer. OU was in that morning wave on Friday morning in the first round. 
and did not take advantage. They shot seven over par and put themselves behind the eight ball because they had to play in the afternoon on Saturday. And then the way that the NCAA does the split, the top 15 teams after the first two rounds get morning tee times on Sunday, which is huge. Only one team, excuse me, only one team that was outside of the top 15 after Saturday made it into the top 15 on Sunday. Gosh. And that's just, it, it was two on the women's side, one on the men's because that's how distinct that advantage is. And OU found itself after two rounds on the outside looking in um, and one shot outside of a playoff. Well, so, but despite it was, it was that, to recover. despite that, and I, I, I get it, you, you put yourself behind the eight ball. OU has the talent. They've put themselves behind the eight ball a decent amount over the last two or three years by having stinker starts. What hasn't happened is that their horses have always come through. And in this case, that was not the case because in the second round, Patrick Welts shoots a non-counting 80. And really, if he has a normal round and shoots 73-74 like he very well should have, that makes him a counting score that easily flips two, three strokes to get them into that top 15. What in the heck? Again, we didn't even get to see any of it on TV because TV cover doesn't start until Monday. What the heck happened to Patrick Welch? You know, I didn't I didn't get to see a lot of his round, but I really think he just, very similar to Georgia Tech's Crystal Lamprecht, and I can explain more on this later, guys who had played pretty well coming in who just, they got out there and they struggled. Greyhawk is not a course for everybody. It's so penal off the tee. It takes driver out of your hand, especially for how long these guys hit. And if you're off by just a little bit, it, it penalizes you so much. And that's what happened. Um, it's really hard to describe because Patrick was playing so well this year, not as good as he would have liked. And I think he would, he would admit to that. Hibble would admit to that. Most OU fans would admit to he didn't play as consistent as you probably would have expected this year. Um, but he's a guy who they needed to come out and play a lot better. And shooting 80, I mean, you can't point the finger at one player because there's multiple shots that they would like back looking back at it. But he's a huge reason why they didn't. Hey, on this podcast, I can, we can point the finger wherever we want. Okay, come on. <laughs> this, is, this isn't golf week camp. We can point the finger at Patrick Welch. He's a big, he's a big kid. He gets it. And I think that it's just it's it's a tough deal for your 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 really your one bag and maybe it's debatable on OU's team. There's there's, there's some good balance, but he's he's the highest ranked in PGA Tour U. He's had a he had a really good Big Twelves went went toe to toe with Ludwig on that final day. I mean it was impressive. He played great. Yes. And to go out there and have the guy you're counting on to not, not worry about even even on strong college golf squads, it's that four or five group or grouping that you're like, man, we got to have one of these guys step up and play well. And to have, to have your lead horse be the one that, um, lets you down. That's just, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to stomach. I'm sure for, for both a uh, coach and, and certainly for, for Vinny, because, uh, he's, he's had such a great career, but again, we're all, we all, we, we, uh, we like to hold ourselves accountable on the podcast. We have to hold others accountable on the podcast. And I think we would all agree that, that we did, I didn't see that coming uh, to to uh, him be the one that throws in the stinker. Yeah, but if you're going to point one finger at somebody that, like, that is a big reason why you didn't make, let alone the top eight, but the top 15, that's the round. It, I mean, that it, 
just can't happen at that stage. Um, just really, really put him behind the eight ball, really affected him. Um, just crazy. It's, it's just crazy. But yeah, that's, that's the one that you look at and you, and you point the finger and that's, you go, that's why. And that, that's why the good news, silver lining, bright side, whatever you want to call it is, you know, Chris Goderup had sort of a, a stinky finish to the NCAAs last year, missing out on winning individual title, you know, kind of gets crushed in his match. I don't know if that was against Potter or Summer Hayes. He just got totally destroyed against Arizona State. And he comes out and has a great summer uh, out on the Corn Ferry Tour. And so that's what we're hoping for Vinny, that he uh, comes out and, and really plays well and secures his professional status. And I'm sure that'll be the case because he's an absolute gamer most uh, of the time. All right, I buried the lead. Most folks would say we buried the lead. I want to talk. I want to talk Vic Hovland. This is how it had to happen, right? I, it's kind of like my guy Solly over at No Laying Up says about Rory. He's just totally given up now, and he's he's not going to be there when it happens when Rory final wins a major because he just he just can't do it anymore. I was kind of there with Vic, like in a big tournament that means a lot. I'm a huge OU homer. Everybody knows it. And Vic Hovland is one of my you know, top five favorite players. I just love the guy. I love his vibe. I love that he does not give a crap about what clothes he wears. He's like, just tell me where the first tee is at. Put me in whatever. I don't care about that stuff. I knew that it would probably happen where it would be a tournament I wasn't watching that he wins. I'm happy. I'm just, I'm just giddy. I, when you said Vic Hovland won, I could not believe it because, I, again, I know these guys are so talented that they always end up getting it done. But I guess I'm sure a lot of our listeners already know what happened. I don't know what happened. So tell me how that played out. Because, uh, I again, when I snuck a peek at it, I feel like he was a couple, three back and wasn't really being a factor. So how, how, give me give me the deets. Yeah, you know, he, he wasn't really in contention a lot of the day. I mean, he, he, moved, he was obviously sniffing around the lead and went into the day only a shot back. And, you know, Rory kind of – was pretty disappointing today. Held the solo lead early and ends up shooting three over 75, finishes T7. Uh, Scotty Scheffler posted at six under and ended up being a shot out of the playoff because of how strong he he played. But um, Denny McCarthy also shot two under, um, and he actually bogeyed the 18th hole, which made this playoff even possible. Meanwhile, Victor Hovland birdied 15 and 17 to shoot two under and get into the playoff. Uh, then in the playoff, it was... Um, it was Victor Hovland. Um, just he hit it 55 feet on the green, had two putts to get it up and in for par, and um, and that's what he did, and um, ended up winning. He fist pumped. He fist pumped his putt that went in to win it, and the thing lipped in. It almost missed. But he <laughs> fist pumped before it went in. Um, <laughs> I can't was, wait to see the replay. Pretty, of that when I first saw it, I was like, uh, and then it dropped, and I was like, oh, okay. Because that would have been pretty bad if it had missed. But. Well, I'm pulling it up on PGATour.com right now. He wins $3.6 million to um, secure his first PGA Tour win on American soil. It's a big one as it is an elevated, designated, super special, extra lovey-dovey, whatever they're calling these events for $20 million purses out on the PGA Tour. Seven under par again in a playoff over Denny McCarthy. Yeah, I mean, you kind of go down the leaderboard as our man TC likes to do. Scheffler shot out, as you mentioned, um, a couple of, um, you know, 
if not no names, uh, folks that um, probably don't belong on this leaderboard in Siwoo Kim and Andrew Putnam, but Jordan Spieth, T5, Rory McIlroy, T7, Adam Scott, T9, Ricky Fowler, T9, Matthew Fitzpatrick, T9, Tyrell Lord, Tyrell Hatton at T12. So a really strong group that young Vic Hovland is able to hold off. Do you think, and I, I've always thought this is a little silly when on podcasts or interviews or Golf Channel or the whole, you know, the monkey's off his back, the floodgates will open, blah, blah, blah. That said, do you think the floodgates will all open? I mean, he's been trending for some time. He's finished top seven at the last three majors. He's played in the final group and in two of the three, and he's been right there. Um, if not for Brooks Kepka and Cameron Smith, and he didn't play super well at the Open last year at St. Andrews, but he's been trending for some time. He, you know, the big, uh, you know, they say the hypothetical monkey on his back, the big thing that he was trying to ditch for a long time was the fact that he had never won in the United States. He hadn't won a professional event in the United States. He'd won in Europe. He'd won in Mexico. He had won in the Bahamas. He had won down, I believe, in Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. But he could not win an event in the United States. Now he's got that. Now he's done it. Now he can cross that off his list. You could argue the three best golfers in the world right now, the two best for sure, Scotty Scheffler and John Rahm. Brooks Kepka's got to be in the conversation too. But Victor Hovland and Brooks are probably three and four. And then there's those four have probably separated themselves as the best golfers in the world right now. It just Victor is he's been trending for some time. He's placed highly week after week, and it, it finally all came together for him. It finally paid off, and it's been a long time coming. But yeah, it's kind of the flood. I, I do think this is going to be the one that kind of helps the floodgates. So, you know, looking at the official world golf rankings, I'm sure this is coming into the day. I doubt it's been updated on the ODBGR site, but Scotty Scheffler is the number one ranked player in the world over John Rahm, Rory, third. Pat Cantley is fourth. Vic has already up to five without this win. I'm, I think there's a site out there on Twitter that's like, do you know how to pronounce this? Like, at Nosferatu? Nosferatu or Nosferatu. Like yeah. Maybe we'll uh, have you, um, as I'm just coming off the golf course, of course the phone battery is on 1%, so I can't uh, check out the Twitter feed for, for him. But he normally has it pretty dialed in with his projections, but I got to believe that with this, Elevated win. He's going to hop Patrick Cantlay. Probably won't catch Rory. Rory is at uh, 8.29 in the World Golf Rankings. Vic at 6.72 coming into this week. But I don't know if I could argue with you in terms of... I know our man Scotty G21 is a what have you done for me lately. John Rahm has been a little bit absent the last couple of months after one of the best starts in PGA Tour history. He's already won more money in his first, what, four months, five months of the PGA Tour season uh, to make him the most winning money leader in PGA Tour history, just nipping Scotty Scheffler's entirety of 2022. But he hasn't played well, that being John Rahm. I think that Victor Hovland, I I have no problem saying that he is one of the the three, four, definitely five best golfers on the planet right now. Kind of interesting, you know, Brooks is a big game hunter, and I definitely think Brooks is going to be a factor out at LACC. In fact, I want to talk a little bit about LACC. I don't know if you've gotten to watch the No Laying Up video that they did out there, and it's just tremendous. It got me super fired up. But that's kind of the differentiator to me is who is the best? who are the best players that are going to step up and play well in majors. Brooks is definitely in that. I'm probably in the top two. 
if you just say who are the you know three four best golfers week in week out, I, that can that drops Brooks down a little bit because even when he was on the PGA Tour, he didn't exactly tear it up in regular events. He was always yeah. trending toward majors. They're not trending, showing up at majors, not trending and winning majors. So I don't. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting concept. I I, I got to put Scotty Scheffler over both those guys right now. I think that his consistency, he's just always there. I don't think he's finished outside the top. I heard this today on a podcast while I was driving for the uh, like 78th hour of this golf trip. I, he definitely hasn't finished out at the side of the top 20 in like eight months. It might have been the top 12. It's some something something top, wild. Top 12 in his last 14 starts now. Gosh, unbelievable. I think that Scotty Scheffler is definitely going to be my pick that I make not counting the preseason picks. I think I picked Big Tone to win the U.S. Open, which I think he will contend, but Scotty Scheffler is just on another level right now with his consistency. Yeah, Brooks in there as the, he seems to be back to the Brooks of old. And then, yeah, our man Vic Hovland just continues to impress. And I don't, I think that we all know that the next time Vic Hovland tees it up, we're definitely... Definitely going to hear me shouting from the rooftops. Give me Vic Hovland at plus eighteen hundred. He's gonna he's gonna bring it home from Mexico and right into Christmas like a Norwegian Viking. It's gonna be historical. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Love bringing out the Vic Hovland clip. All right, man. I you know we could go a lot of different ways here. We could we could talk a little U.S. Open. We could talk a little. Local Oklahoma golf. We could talk a little bit more LPGA. We could talk some NCAA's. How about how about this for you? How about a way too soon preview of the 2023-2024 men's NCAA golf season? Who who, do you, who has a lot of guys coming back? Obviously, Florida winning this as a bit of an underdog. Nobody maybe expected them to do that. Give me a, give me a way too early. Uh, even if you have to ramble through it, version of the 2023 2024 NCAA men's season? Well, I think right off the top, um, Vanderbilt should be fairly good again. Of course, Gordon Sargent's back. Wills Williams, who is a freshman this year, is going to be more prominent in the lineup. Um, I'm sorry, Wills, Wills William? Wells, W E L L S. Williams. Wells okay. Williams. Okay, that, I know it's that, that, that's acceptable. I'm saying if, 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 if it was Will William or Wills William, that would have been too much. He would have had to have been stricken from the record. But I Wells Wells William, that's that's uh that's that's a not a not a bridge too far. And um, so Vanderbilt's going to be good. North Carolina actually brings back four of their five, including Austin Greaser, David Ford, um, who's their best player. Austin Greaser, of course, went on the run at the U.S. Amateur a couple of years ago. So Dylan Minetti, who has just been had crazy success at Greyhawk, he's coming back. So it's just looking at North Carolina. North Carolina is going to be one of the, going to be one of the favorites coming in. I think OU should be up there too. They're going to have a lot of ex, a lot of young guys who are coming back. Um, I think Ryder Cowan, local local uh, Oklahoma City kid. I say that he's from Edmond. I think that he has a chance to crack this lineup. He just won the Oklahoma State Amateur. Uh, this week, I think he's just tr- a tremendous golfer and has a chance to contribute early there. I think Drew Goodman takes a big step up and becomes one of the best golfers in the country next year. Um, maybe that's a little bit of a hot take. I just, I, I've always been a big fan of Drew since covering him in his high school days. I'll stop you right there. Pa- pause you because I want to talk Drew Goodman. I feel the same way. 
I mean, I've, I've probably followed him around the golf course as much as any of the OU guys the past three years. And again, you know, Goddard was there for one year. Brightwell was there for one year. You did have Quaid there for several years. In terms of how long we've been following OU golf, I've probably had the most reps, if you will, with Drew Goodman. And it seems like each of his years, he's made a very, very noticeable improvement between those seasons. I think he is poised to be exactly what you just said, but I can't quite put my finger on why because, I mean, yeah, he's a pretty athletic kid, but I don't feel like he does any one thing so much better than um, the rest of his peers. To his admission and to Coach Hibble's dad's uh, credit, noticing that he puts in more work than anybody on the team, so maybe that's where it is. But where kind of kind of fiddle with me here on why you think Drew Goodman is going to make that next leap and kind of kind of have a little bit more stardom out there in the college golf world. You know, I just I see Drew. I think he's he's just been slowly trending. You know, at Big Twelves, he placed really well. Obviously, he. I thought I thought he was going to make a run at the NCAA's. I believe I can't remember if it was his second round or his third round that didn't turn out too well. Um, had a couple of bad holes that really derailed him. But he's finished top twenty at his first two NCAA championships. T uh, two at the Norman Regional. I think he had a T seven in the Big Twelve Championship. Yep. He's he's been trending for some time. He does he he doesn't have weaknesses in his game. He's stellar off the tee. He's great with his irons. He's strong around the greens and he puts it so well. Um, I think this was a really good year for him to get into contention. I know he didn't win, but it was a really good time for him to get into contention. He's going to win next year. I, 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 I hope, I hope you're listening, Drew, no pressure, but <laughs> I, I really do. I, I think Drew Goodman is going to win next year. Um, and I think he has a chance to win multiple tournaments. I, I like, I just, I truly believe he's going to have somewhat of a, a breakout year and truly be an all American candidate. Um, when we're looking back at this time next year, I think he has all the tools. Uh, he's been in the situation now, so he's kind of has some battle scars of whether it's coming up a little bit short or, um, just kind of being in the trenches and fighting through it. So I just, I, I'm, I'm all in on him and I think that it's going to be a, just a great year for him. I hope that's the case because you're right to the, your point about, we have a, couple of freshmen coming onto that squad that are going to really challenge and push those guys. You mentioned Ryder Cowan. PJ Maybank is going to be not only a great player, but a nice personality to add to the mix. On the flip side of the state, what are we hearing about OSU in terms of recruiting? They were dealt a really tough hand with Eugenio going to live, going pro early. Obviously, Brian Stark transferring over to UT. What are you hearing out of Stillwater and Karsten Creek as it relates to OSU? Is it a reload situation, or are we going to have to go through a little bit of a rebuild off of an extremely disappointing season up I-35? You know, I think um, obviously a really disappointing season. Um, Oklahoma State is a team that should be in the finals. That they're not is shocking, to say the least. Um Makes you it on like it makes somebody from the outside wonder what's going on, what's going on. Um, but I believe OSU they have a pretty good recruiting class coming in. Um, Preston Stout's one of the top ranked amateurs in the country. He's from the Dallas, Texas area. Um, 
In fact, the Gulf League Sagarin rankings have, have him as the number one junior in the country. Um, so I, I, I believe that he could come in and contribute to that lineup right away. And like you said, when Stark transferred to Texas, Chikara went to live. Um, that was supposed to be their one-two punch this year. So OSU was really playing with a couple guys at the bottom half of their lineup who weren't expected to be in there this year, and they weren't anticipating to have to play this year. But either way, a place like Oklahoma State should have golfers to be able to fill that void. Um, it just kind of makes you wonder why there's been the sharp drop-off from that 2018 and 2019 team, and um, they've been a, just a perennial contender to make match play and then just to not even show up. Um, they played not that great out in Las Vegas. It was one of the most more easier regional sites. So losing to East Tennessee State and the San Francisco to not even get in. But I don't think the sky is quite falling in Stillwater. I think uh, a lot of people are concerned and a lot of people just want to see some changes and whatnot. But I think that they're going to have to try to go get a kid or two out of the transfer portal. Go try to get one of the top two or three guys who hit the portal and see what you can do with that you got to hope that Stout comes in, maybe some other of the – I think there's one or two more freshmen coming in too. you got to hope that they hit and can play really well. But it's an interesting – I would expect them to have a rebound year next year. This definitely from, from the get-go just didn't seem like a normal year for them. But I would, I would expect some sort of bounce back. Well, on top of having to kind of replace a couple folks holes in the lineup, while he was uh, not one of the official – coaches on the coaching staff. Interesting with coach Bill Alcorn, OU's associate head coach, becoming the head man at TCU over the last couple weeks. Jonathan Moore, former NCAA champion and what I would call kind of a swing coach for OSU, uh, replaces coach Alcorn down in Norman as the associate head coach. Uh, interesting move. I didn't necessarily see that coming. Not that I'm super tied in to uh, coaching moves within golf. Obviously, just two spots typically on a college golf coaching staff. Uh, interesting there. Does that catch you off guard? Is that um, a personal move? I mean, I'm kind of surprised, honestly. Jay Moore didn't exactly have a ton of coaching credentials. Just give me some color there, Cam. You know, it, it's an interesting move. I mean, he won, a, he won a national title for Oklahoma State and is now going down to going down to Norman. Uh, um, it, it makes you wonder why he would leave Stillwater. It, it, honestly, to a degree, it makes you ask even more questions about, the, about if anything's going on up there. Um, yeah. yeah. Why would a guy like Jonathan Moore leave to go to OU? But... Huge credit to Ryan Hibble. It's a great hire. It is sort of a, I don't want to say a reach, because obviously he hasn't quite been in an assistant coach position, but I think it's a great opportunity for him, and I think he's going to have a lot of opportunity to to really showcase himself. And if he wants to if he wants to be in a position where he can get into coaching down for the road, like a head coaching position, why would you not take this opportunity? Yeah. Like maybe, maybe he sees this as an opportunity to go learn a little bit more about the coaching side of stuff, actually get into the trenches and do stuff. And maybe he comes back and tries to coach at Oklahoma state one day. I I don't know. Um, I think it's a great hire by Hibble. I think it's a big loss for Oklahoma state. Um, I'm sure the folks down in Norman probably like it a little bit more than the folks in Stillwater do. (laughs) Um, But uh, no, I think it's a, it's an interesting hire, but I think it's a good one. I think 
anytime you can get somebody who's had success at the college game and can relate to the players, I think that's just a good thing. Yeah, I know that my more um, tacky Sooner brethren, certainly not me, I'm sure we're uh, getting a, a quite a good cackle out of uh, Jay Moore. And, I, you know, the thing is, our man, our man Jay Hop, Justin Hoppick, now going to be spending a lot of time in Norman. That's his swing coach. So, I mean, <laughs> it's going to be tough having to get from kind of North Edmond down to Norman for his regular lesson. I hate that for him, but I'm sure he'll, yeah, perse- no he'll persevere. <laughs> he'll persevere. All right, well, as much as I hate to wrap this thing up, I, uh, I have a minimum three-hour drive ahead of me. Anything else you want to you throw out there before we kind of wrap this thing? I, uh, I actually, I kind of want to know a little bit more about your golf trip and, and even just today's round, too. Tell me a little bit more about the course you're playing and, uh, and just about today. Yeah, I mean, in terms of the lineup, had a, um, you know, I've never played, I've never played an emergency nine before all the golf of a golf trip starts. I was driving up to Salina on Thursday and had heard about McPherson. You don't call it McPherson because there's no fear in McPherson. But... I decided to swing by. I had heard good things from my buddy Craig Fast about their little nine-hole Perry Maxwell, and I was completely blown away. This little nine-hole just off a 135 golf course, I mean, I could play that place every day as my only golf course for the rest of my life if I had to. Like, it, it, was, it was magical. It was one of those unexpected magical. It wasn't even on the itinerary. Uh, Salina Country Club was next. Uh, 1911, so super old school place. Don't know the designer. There was actually some debate even amongst the members there in the card room on who designed it. But uh, Perry Maxwell did slide in there in 1945 and and do some some Reno, did some holes. It had some Maxwell vibes, but I it wasn't. I, you could tell it wasn't a full on Maxwell. And then the aforementioned Wild Horse Golf Club, just Gothenburg, totally has my heart. But yes, today, uh. Buffalo Dunes in Garden City. I've had this place on my radar. Have you heard of Buffalo Dunes, Cam? Have you? Has it been on your radar? I have heard about it, but I have not got up there yet. So, 2023 goals list. You know, we make it to begin. We like to we like to challenge ourselves to several goals. I had I had three golf courses on my. I will play these golf courses this year. One was playing Southern Hills walking. Very specifically, I've played Southern Hills, but playing Southern Hills walking. The old course, yes, in St. Andrews, on the list for Gotta Scratch It Off this year. And the third one was Buffalo Dunes. So I had heard that much about it. And I got to say, did not disappoint. It, it lived up to the expectations that I had for it. Uh, especially, dude, this, this 15 through 18, the, the final four holes, maybe, maybe the best four-hole finishing stretch I've ever played. And, and Wow. It's, it was incredible. Just the architecture, the kind of deception of these bunkers, bunkers that look like they're in play, but there aren't bunkers that you don't see that are in play. Some the mounding around the fifteenth green, I, I was I, I couldn't believe. Honestly, I heard from our man, uh, our man Garrett here, uh, assistant pro, that they actually used to have the nines flipped, and the eighth the eighth hole super cool. It's a kind of a postage stamp crazy green uh, part three. It reminds me kind of of number two at Prairie Dunes. Uh, to an extent, but number nine is just a, is just a fine hole. And so when I got to the back and saw that finish, it's like, yeah, no brainer to flip to nines and the 18th hole. I think I said shot, shot of the, uh, it's always good when the shot of the 
the trip comes on the last hole. I guess I'm playing bowling extremes tomorrow, so not the last hole of the trip, but close to it. Hey, I'm gonna. I'm actually gonna get. I know this is kind of a spitball pod. Maybe that's what we'll call. It. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get Garrett over here. Uh, hey, Garrett. Okay, I got got a question for you, Garrett. First of all, welcome to the You're Still Out podcast. I know you're uh, you're trying to probably close this place up. It's eight o'clock on a Sunday. It's kind of raining outside now, so I'm sure it's like, can this guy get out of my hair so I can go home and and watch the NBA Finals? But first of all, uh, introduce yourself to the listeners, and then you know, open ended question: What makes this place so special? Because it definitely is. Uh, I'm Garrett Keith. I am the assistant pro here at Buffalo Dunes. Uh, kind of what makes it special like in my opinion is first of all it's city owned it's one of the, it's i think it was number eight in the united states a couple years ago as far as municipal courses go so it's not far behind the tory pines beth page those those kind of courses and it's way cheaper than those for a cart 45 dollars on a weekend so you, you you can't beat that and the layout out here is just incredible and we're in the midst of a like eight year renovation. We're doing a, a couple holes every year. It's it's a very small team. I think we have five full time people on our maintenance staff, three pros. We have an architect that comes in and does all the like land moving and stuff. And then it's up to our staff to plant all the grass and and do all the bunkers and all that kind of stuff. But it's I guess what makes it special is just the people here that take care of it. Everybody really cares about the course. And as far as the layout goes, it's it's out in the sand hills, so it's rolling terrain with with just everything's very natural looking. Everything's just very looks like the golf course was just made to belong right here. Well, you mentioned the supers. You know, everybody who's listening knows I love to give some love to the superintendents, the the true heroes of the golf industry, in my opinion. Uh, give a shout out. Who is your head superintendent here? And um, talk about a little bit of the work he does. Uh, our head super is Clay Payne. He's he's been at a number of pretty pretty good courses, a couple in Colorado, and I think one in like uh, uh, somewhere in Nebraska. The man with the plan has a big plan with with, with ev- everything he's doing. Like we have maps up all over our, our pro shop, showing what the course plan is going to look like at the end of our renovation. But like just in the in March, we we opened three brand new greens, completely new sod, like none none of what was there was there before so one 15 and 18 and 18 he said was one of his favorite holes but that was one that got completely redone by clay and his staff new bunkers took out a bunch of trees completely new green but yeah he's his saying is one percent better every day so that's that's what he's trying to do out here at the golf course so if this place gets one percent better period i can't imagine how good that would be because it is it is excellent Excellent, excellent golf course. You mentioned um, for the price, it's hard to beat. How about $30 if you walk like a true golfer? Sorry, all of my cart riding friends. 30 bucks to walk, and you know we enjoy ourselves a walk around here. Uh, Garrett, thanks for, uh, for hopping over in between closing duties. Uh, I'm sure we'll be in touch in the future. Cambo, you know, thanks for making the, the late Sunday night, and, and thanks for actually watching golf this weekend so that we could have something to talk about since I was off gallivanting in one of my boondoggles. I really appreciate it. You're clearly the hardest-working man in golf, maybe, maybe after Garrett here. Uh, any any closing thoughts? Now that we're officially kind of spring is somewhat closing up, I think we're in for a really fun summer of watching some golf. I'm excited for it. 
I agree. I, I I am super fired up about LACC. That place looked sick. The sixth hole, if you need to just go Google and YouTube the sixth hole at LACC, one of the most unique golf holes I've ever seen. Now, I am so ready to see how these guys attack it. Uh, you know what they will be doing? They won't be out there in golf carts. They will be out there enjoying the walk. 